It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invites you to Let George Do It. Another adventure of George Valentine. Personal notice. Danger is my stock and trade. If you need confidential help with anything you can't tackle alone, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Dear Mr. Valentine, no doubt you have heard of me. My name is on circus billboards all over the city. Martha Dvorak, the most glamorous trapeze artist in the world. My work requires nerves of steel, but instead I'm shaking like a jellyfish. I have great fear, fear for my life, and cannot go to the police. Do not trouble to answer this. I will not take no for an answer. an answer. I may even be in your office before you receive this letter. Oh. So be sure to expect me. Hmm. Sign Martha Dvorak. <laughs> well, the young lady on the flying trapeze has a quaint way of setting up her words. And have you seen those posters, George? I'll bet there isn't a male in the audience who doesn't sit there wishing Martha would fall into his lap. That's a very charming thought. But I wish she was more specific about this great fear for her life. Well, I'm giving odds there's a rejected suitor involved. Oh, come on, woman. Stop acting like a woman. If you read the tabloids, darling, you'd know Marta's left quite a trail of broken hearts. A femme fatale, huh? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I am Martha Devorak. Ooh. If you are Mr. Valentine, please ask this young lady to leave. We want to be alone. Oh, now look, Mr. Vorak, this is Miss Brooks, my assistant. You have no objection to being alone with me? Besides... That is the only way I will discuss this business. Oh, honest, Mr. Vorak, I'm over 21, if that's what you're worried about. Well, Mr. Valentine. Uh, I am scrape, Brooksy. Huh? Hmm. Well, now, Mr. Vorak, what can I do for you? First, you can call me Martha. Oh, how nice. Martha? Well? From now on, until the death-defying Dvorak leave here, you must be with me at my side all the time. Oh, now, wait a minute. That's a tall order, Martha. Here. Read this note. Huh? Get $5,000 in small bills and wait for further instructions. You will either pay or meet with a bad accident. Don't take this to the police. You are being watched. Well, that's certainly to the point. So you see, I'm helpless, George. I'm like a little girl in a bad dream. Yeah. And as I get it, you want me to act as your bodyguard. Yes. You will bodyguard me every minute. Uh, look, why don't you stick close to your family, the other death-defined Dvorak's? They wouldn't let anything happen to you. My family. They're not my family at all. Oh, well, live and learn. It just looks good on the circus posters. The three others. Sometimes I think they hate me. Oh, they're jealous. They know the people come to see me and not them. I see what you mean. I do not even stay at the same hotel with them. I've rented a little house up in the canyon. Well, look, you know, this may turn out to be just a crank note. The words are all cut out of magazines and newspapers. Somebody wishes to see me die, crushed, defeated. You would not let that happen to me, would you, George? Oh, now, look. You will bodyguard me. I would be so grateful. Many dollars grateful. Oh, well, okay, it's a deal. You've convinced me. Oh, that is wonderful. I think I will kiss you. Huh? No, I will not even think. I will kiss you. Oh, no. Wait a minute, Marty. Oh, please, Marty. I'd, I'd rather have you as a friend. Oh, you're cute, George. Always you joke. Mm, yeah. Now, what are your plans for the day? I have a rehearsal right now at the circus. Will you meet me at the matinee? Yeah, I'll be seeing you. Come early so you can see my act. Oops, sorry. Of course you were not listening at the door. Oh, of course I was. In fact, I was peeking through the keyhole. Really? Au revoir, George. Yes, so long. Well, Casanova? Hmm? Oh, that kiss. Well, you know, Brooksy, these artists, so impulsive. Nice fight you put up. George. Oh, no, Angel, it's all business. Well, if you think I'm going to let you traipse around with that, that high-flying she-wolf, oh, 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 I'll be on your heels every minute. Oh, now, Brooksy, you can't do that. Oh, can't I? 
From now on, I'll be known as the Shadow. Oh. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, after you phoned, I made a full check on the Dvorak game. I want to find out, Lieutenant Riley. Your little hunch was right. She's playing your boyfriend for a patsy in a little game known as space grabbing. Publicity. I see. She's either pulled or tried to pull this threatening note gag in every city where the circus stopped. She was driving the police nuts till they got wise to her. Yeah. But if I know George, it won't make any difference to him. He's as stubborn as a tray of ice cubes. He keeps saying, but suppose this note is on the level. (laughs) Well, well, cheer up, cheer up. Nobody's going to take away Valentine's Dick Tracy button just for looking for a boogeyman who isn't there. Yes, but Lieutenant, he's no more than a hired man with nothing to do. Nothing but hang around that international pinup girl and stare at that... that man-wanted sign in her eyes. <laughs> oh, Lieutenant Riley. <laughs> I know it's almost time for your act to go on, Mr. Dvorak. Whatever but... you want to know about little Martha, I can tell you, Mr. Valentine... People think I'm her father. Well, I am her father, confessor, her teacher, the great Leo Dvorak, who taught her everything she knows today. Yes, but about that note... I'm heartsick about Martha. After everything I've done for her, she's thinking of leaving the act and going to Hollywood. The thought is not easy to bear. But, of course, I wish her all good luck. Of course I do. I don't know anything about that note, Mr. Valentine. But I'll tell you something. Well? Everything is Marta, Marta, Marta. But does anyone know there's a girl named Risa in Act Two? Did I go up there every performance? Yes, I'm sure you have a very important place in the act, Risa, but... yes. I help the others build suspense for her big moment. So people will think of nothing else but what would happen to that beautiful body if she fell... Well, don't talk to me about Martha. Teresa, you were going to tell me something. Yes, Mr. Valentine. I hate her. Yes, Mr. Valentine. I'm the one who catches Martha up there. Yes, Dorian, Leo told me. I have her life in my hands. One little slip, uh, an accident, and no one would know the difference. I tell her that when she makes a fool of me, goes out with other men, she just laughs. She knows I could never hurt her. I love her too much. Well, Dorian, you still didn't tell me if you know who might have sent her that letter. Letter? Oh, I'm sorry I know nothing about it. Now, if you'll excuse me, our cue is coming up. George, I've been talking to Lieutenant Riley, and I was right. That woman's a phony. This is a publicity stunt. Okay, Brooksy, okay. So I'm playing the fall guy in a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. But it would make it a lot easier if you'd stop following me around. Oh, George. Oh, all right, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please, for the thrilling highlight of the afternoon. That sensational European act. A breathless duel with the law of gravity. And there they are, ladies and gentlemen, 200 feet above your very head. The one and only death-defying the Vorax. above her. I saw when Dorian reached out to catch her, she deliberately slipped one hand out of his. You don't know what you're oh, saying. Teresa is right, of course. Martha. That is what I did, exactly. Just one hand, Martha. 
I might have dropped you. No, darling, darling. You would have let your arm come off before you let me fall. When will you learn to think of the act, the act? All those thousands of people will never stop talking about what they think nearly happened to me. And tomorrow, the newspapers, they will be beautiful. Shall we go, George? Elliot, Mr. Borak, all I can get is a nervous breakdown. I just love camping out in the lobby of your apartment house, darling. Mm. I suppose you think you're cute giving me the slip tonight. George, why have you got your hand over your eyes? Oh, it's nothing. Well, let me see. Okay, nosy, look. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. A black eye, an overgrown mouth. Oh, I can see that, but where did you get it? Well, it seems someone else besides you decided to follow me. Oh? And after I dropped Marta off at the canyon, he caught up with me. Who's he? Oh, I don't know, Angel. I was tripping gaily past a dark alley, and I encountered a king-sized fist. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't put it past Marta to have someone pop you like that, just to keep you interested till the circus leaves town. Well, Brooksy, you'll be happy to know I told Marta I was off the merry-go-round. Well, it took you a week to say uncle, but congratulations. George! George! Uh-oh, the call of the wild. Oh, no, don't tell me. Is it fire, flood, or pestilence this Another time? no, George. Oh, no. I found it in my mailbox. Look, Marta, dear, won't your bodyguard's black eye get you enough space in the papers tomorrow? What? Oh, George, I was so upset. I did not know. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Got a spare filly mignon in your pocketbook? Okay, what about the note? Here. Oh, what do you know? So far, you have obeyed instructions. We know there is no circus tomorrow, so be at your house with the $5,000 and be there alone. But, George, I cannot be alone. I'm too frightened. Uh, pardon me for being cynical, but you don't frighten easy. Am I supposed to forget what you did on that trapeze to get another publicity story for your scrapbook? Oh, but I'm so sure something terrible would happen to me. Frankly, Marta, I don't believe a word you've told me. Hallelujah! George, how can you say that? However... Yes? I will stay with you out at the canyon tomorrow. But you just said you didn't believe a word she... I know, Brooksy, I know. But you see, I've had one eye closed for me tonight. Well? Well, strangely enough, I'm beginning to see things a lot clearer now with the other one. Return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, a word about summer car care. If you sometimes find summertime motoring plenty warm, how about your car's engine? Upper cylinder walls, for example, take a terrific beating. Temperatures in there get hotter than a blowtorch. Ordinary motor oils would run away from hot spots, leave upper cylinder walls bare and exposed to wear. But RPM motor oil is tailor-made to guard vital parts. Special compounds in premium quality RPM keep a cooling coat of oil clinging on every inch of your engine, every second. Make RPM stick to the job. RPM also keeps a protective film of oil on parts even when your engine's idle. The oil is on working parts before you touch the starter. There's no waiting for oil to pump up, no damaging startup wear. So to keep your engine safe at all times, get compounded RPM motor oil at independent Chevron gas stations or standard stations where they say and mean we'll take better care of your car. And now back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine. Well, George was convinced that Marta Dvorak, glamorous trapeze artiste, hired him as a bodyguard strictly for the sweet uses of a publicity. Then a black eye administered in the darkness by a person or persons unknown, strangely enough, opened his eyes to something that still remains to be seen. At any rate, George is back on the job. And he and Marta are alone now in her house on Canyon Road, just outside of town. Look, Marta, stop waving that $5,000 around like cigar coupons. It makes me nervous. Oh, I just thought I would have it ready for those people so there would be no, no unpleasantness. Yeah. How is it that last night you were quaking in your little open-toe sandals and today you're a blind spirit? How can I be afraid of anything when you are so near me? Uh, yeah. But not half so near enough. Now, if we were like this, huh? I could laugh in the face of anyone who came in that door. Anyone. Oh, hello, everybody. Now, isn't this just too cozy? So, you, Miss Brooks. Uh-huh. 
How dare you? Don't laugh so hard, Mark. Doesn't anyone have a kind word for a poor police lieutenant on his day off? Oh, I thought you always went fishing, Lieutenant Riley. Well, Miss Brooks here persuaded me it would be better sport to get a load of Operation Phony. Miss Brooks, this is your idea of humor. Oh, I know you didn't expect visitors, so I brought along the loveliest picnic basket. Liverwurst, knockwurst, piccalilli. Oh, Martha, you have made me so happy. Leo, uh, who's a this? visitor. I cannot tell you how I felt when you invited me here for today. I invited you. I never did. But that is very strange. A young lady called the hotel and left a message. What young lady? Who could have done a thing like... Oh. Oh, we may as well know each other. Mr. Dvorak, this is Lieutenant Ryle. How do you do? Harry. He is very happy, Martha. We have not been very close together lately. Oh, please, Leo. I wonder if I brought enough piccalilli for everybody. Piccalilli? What is this uh, piccalilli, young lady? Why don't you come out and let me show you, Leo? I have to put these things in the refrigerator anyway. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, I'm always crazy for a quiet day, Luca. Oh, I could kill somebody. And I think I know who. Uh, me too. Well, Martha, here I am. Darling, not you too? And Risa? Yes, I met Risa getting out of a cab when I drove up. And I got her message inviting me to spend the day here. I just No, I will kill Just somebody. to see what it is you're up to now. But, uh, his people, Martha, we, we're going to be alone. On the phone, that's what the young lady said. Oh, now, there's a young lady who gets around. Are you again making a fool of me, Martha? Please, darling, I'm not one of your scenes. Ah, this fresh country, yeah. Congenial company. Yes, Valentine, I think this is going to be a day to remember. into that house. Oh, now, Marta, that's not being a charming hostess. It is already evening and they just sit there. Oh, that should be all right with you. Have you forgotten that note? The safety in numbers, you know. Now, come on, let's get inside. Well, all right. Hey, hold it. Huh? Didn't you take in your mail today? Of course. Why? Here's a letter in the mailbox. I'm in no mood for letters. Huh? Huh? Yes? Another one of those little love notes. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah, but here it is. But I told you, it is impossible. It cannot be. I did not... You... You didn't what? Never mind. Let me have it. Well, what does it say? It says, you did not live up to the bargain. You invited a house full of people. You know what to expect now. George... George. Oh, look, you don't have to put on that act for my benefit, Marta. We're all troopers now. But I tell you, this is real. You've I been not... writing these notes to yourself, haven't you? I know I will not make you believe me. But I've got to get away from here, I'm afraid. Wait a minute, Marta. I'm afraid of everybody. Hey, don't be a fool. I've got to get away from here. Okay, okay, if you want to see who can run faster. But this is your last temperamental fling with me. Miss Brooks, look, I pounded the beat for 15 years before I became a lieutenant. My feet hurt. They're killing me. Come on, let's get back to the house. But Lieutenant George and Maude have been away so long, I'm really worried. Yeah, I worried they're smooching somewhere. Oh, maybe George was right and those notes weren't phony. Anything connected with that dame has to be phony. Now, come on, let's get back to the house. Okay. Well, let's take one look up here in the lemon grove. <sighs> all right, all right, but take it easy. Wait till I put the flashlight on. Lieutenant, what? look, over there. Valentine. George. Wait till I have a look at him. Oh. Hello, everybody. Oh, George. I was just thinking of getting up anyway. What happened? I was with Marty, trying to talk some sense into her. Yeah? Suddenly somebody staged an atomic test right in back of me. That's all I know. Hey, where is Marty anyway? Here's your answer. She's right here. <gasps> How is she? I'll tell you in a minute. George. Look, that money scattered all over. Well, Lieutenant, she's dead. Strangled to death. Okay, the holiday's over now. Now you better get ready to answer a few questions. George, oh. you want me to get you something to your head? Yeah, no one, Brooksy. Well, we'll start with you, Leo. You admit you were out of the house when someone ran berserk in the lemon grove. Yes, I began to worry about my little Martha. I walked everywhere looking for her. 
She meant so much to me. Oh, admit it, Leo. You knew that without her there would be no act. That's all she ever meant to you. Didn't you happen to be outside too, Risa? What have you got to say? I can afford to be frank. I kept walking and walking, trying to forget how much I hated her. As long as we are all being so honest, Dorian, why do you not tell the lieutenant what you were doing out of the house? Tell him how jealous of Martha you always were. Well, why not? Everyone knows about it. I loved Martha, and I was jealous of every move she made. Jealous of every moment except when she was flying through the air, her hands reaching for mine. Depending on me, of all men. I would never see her hurt. You remember when she said that, Valentine? Yeah, I remember. What about the question, Dorian? Why did you leave the house? Where did you go? Looking for Martha. We didn't have a minute together all day. She was always with Valentine. Oh, fine, fine. Everybody's out for a walk when Mayhem breaks out. You aren't even listening, George. Doesn't any of this interest you? Hmm, Brooksy? What are you doing with your nose in that magazine? Oh, it's the show world. Huh? I've learned some fascinating things from it. Oh, meaning what? Well, for instance, Brooksy and you were right, Lieutenant. Martha did send herself those two notes. You mean three notes, don't you? Uh-uh. The third note was the real McCoy, Lieutenant. Yeah. The business. What? And you found that out just looking at Martha's legs in that magazine? Well, in a way, Brooksy. Now, here. Just take a look at these three notes. I'm all eyes. What about them? All addressed to Martha Dvorak. Yeah, Canyon Road 58. Canyon Road 58 and 58 Canyon Road. That's a what? Uh-huh. Now, take a close gander at this third note. The words for it were cut out of this page of the Show World magazine. Well, so oh, that's right. I turn over said page and presto, we have a full-page photograph of Marta herself. Yes, one of the most beautiful she ever took. But what are you trying to say, Mr. Valentine? This magazine was sent to Marta. Knowing her as well as we all do, I doubt that we can imagine her cutting up a picture of herself. Not in a million years. That is right. She kept scrapbooks of the smallest items about herself. She lived on publicity. All right, right. so, so what? what? That's why she was so terrified when she received that third note. It was one she didn't send to herself. Any ideas who did? Uh, ideas? The way I feel? Um, no, Lieutenant, it's, uh, it's all yours from here on in. Stepping aside, George? That roughing up you got must be more serious than I thought. You sure you're all right? Oh, well, uh, yeah, gosh, I, I don't know, Brooksy. I'd, I'd better find out. Now, uh, when I was a kid, every time I fell out of the apple tree, my mother used to say, she used to say, George, there's one sure way of telling if you're still all right in the head. Hey, what is this? Yes, this is no time to hear what your mother used to say. Yeah, Georgie, she'd say, uh, just try to remember the Mother Goose rhymes I taught you. But please, Mr. Valentine, how can you make jokes now? Now, uh, let's see if I can remember. Now, uh, how does that one go again? Which one, darling? Oh, you know, the uh, Mary had a little lamb. It's wool. No, no, that's fleece. The fleece was white as uh, something or other. And wherever the little lamb would go, Mary'd be sure to follow. Well, that's very cute, George, but not quite the original. Oh. Say, if I can't remember a simple nursery rhyme, I must be pretty bad. Hey, wait a minute. I'll try another. Why must we stand here and listen to this man talk and say nothing? That is right. Take it easy, friends. Take it easy. We'll have to wait till the car is through anyway. Go on, Valentine, go on. I'm willing to wait for you to make sense. Yeah, well, I'll try. Uh, little Miss Muffet sat on a... Puffet? No. A Ruffet. No, that's not it. Hey, Tuffet, that's it, Tuffet. Munching? No. Uh, chewing? No, that's not it either. Eating her... Her curds and whey. Curds and whey. Any school child knows that, you fool. Now, let's stop this farce. You seem to forget Martha has been killed tonight. No, Dorian, no one's forgetting. You staged it too well. You know better than to say that. All right, Valentine. I've been patient up till now. Come on, give. Tell me, Dorian. Do you come from Wisconsin, Brooklyn, or Georgia? Not Uh, that that concerns you, but I was born in Switzerland. I've never been in America before this tour. Did all the school kiddies in Switzerland learn about little Miss Muffet and her cousin way? Well, I don't know. I... I suppose uh-uh. so. Uh, no European kid would know about Kurds and Way. And I think it'll be a pretty simple matter to prove you were born right here in America. No, I... All right. What of it? I went to school in Switzerland. I pretended to be a foreigner for professional reasons. There's nothing wrong about that. When you were a kid here in America, you learned more than nursery rhymes. 
When you addressed an envelope, you were taught to put the number of the house before the name of the street. That's something you never forgot. It stuck with you. And that's just what's going to hang you. Let's have that in nice, simple language, Valentine, huh? The kind of jewelry will understand. Okay, Lieutenant. The first two notes, the ones Marta wrote to herself, read Canyon Road 58. The third one she found tonight was written by Dorian, the only one in the troop not European. It read 58 Canyon Road. The number before the name of the street, Lieutenant. American style. You know, Valentine, in my job, I see a lot of human nature, but this Dorian guy is a breed all his own. No, it was Marta I couldn't understand. Now I feel sorry for her. I think I know what you mean about Dorian, Lieutenant. He had every chance to kill her when he was up there on the trapeze and get away with it. Mm. Instead, he writes that letter and makes a super production out of it. Jealousy. Jealousy. Had it bad, Lieutenant. Bad enough to sock me in the eye for no other reason but that I was spending so much time with her. Well, how could anyone be jealous of a little thing like that? After all, it was just your job. Uh-huh. Now, the truth is, Lieutenant, a simple accident wasn't good enough for Dorian. Marta had to know she was dying and that he was killing her. That's the only way it would satisfy his bruised and battered ego. Uh, as good an explanation as any. You know, it's strange. Marta dreamt of having a story about herself in every newspaper in the country. She certainly tried hard enough. Yeah, Brooksy. And when she finally made it, it was only to let the world know that she'd never be heard of again. If your car's battery has been acting like a mule, temperamental and balky, here's an easy way to cure it. Have your battery serviced at a standard station or independent Chevron gas station. They'll inspect the water level, cables, terminal clamps, and test the battery's condition. And they'll be frank. If it just needs a charge, they'll tell you. If your battery's really on its last legs, they'll explain how a new Atlas battery can save you money. Every Atlas battery has its certified power capacity stamped on the case where you can read it. And you'll find these capacities meet or exceed standards set by the Society of Automotive Engineers. The longer-lasting starting power of Atlas batteries, by the way, is backed by a written warranty honored everywhere by 40,000 Atlas dealers. Independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations are glad to service your battery, proud to offer you an Atlas battery when you need one. That's why they say and mean we'll take better care of your car. Next week, when you tune our way for another adventure of George Valentine, you'll hear... I got here as soon as I could, Brooksy. Edward's still in the club there? Yes, George, and getting very fidgety. All right, all right. Are you sure about that check he's carrying? Of course. I saw the signature, Agnes Ebersole. Good, good. Now go back inside and stick right with friend Daniel. But well, what are you going to do, George? Oh, that's the surprise, Angel. But hold your hat. Because in just about five minutes, I'm going to start the biggest commotion that nightclub has seen in years. <laughs> Now, another mystery on Mystery Radio XXX. Early because you weren't in the mood for a movie. Uh, wait, I'll open the door for you. It's funny, it's locked. Funny, that's amazing. I didn't think the door to your apartment was ever locked. No, I guess I locked it by accident when we went out. Well, I'm glad to see you used keys to open the door. Turning on it, huh? Oh, I jimmy my own every now and then just to keep in practice. <laughs> you don't need it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I do need, something to do. We walked out on that movie so soon, we still have an evening to kill. Well, I know the first thing you can do. You can turn on the lights. It's dark in here. 
How's that? Oh, Blackie, you're wonderful. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. That's where I must have heard it. <laughs> Darling, the dining room doors are closed. Why? None of your business. But they're never closed. They're closed now. What are you hiding? Nothing. You stay out of there, and I mean out. Oh, now you have me curious. You go in the dining room, and what you just said will be famous last words. I'll get the cards out of the den. Don't hurry. Now, you behave yourself. Yes, Daddy. Now, just what is he hiding in there? I'm going to see. I wonder... Ah! Daddy! Mary, I told you not to look in the dining room. No wonder you didn't want me to look. You're hiding a dead man in there. And now, back to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. Mary, you have to listen to me. Now, please. Oh, no, Blackie. You don't pull anything like this on me and get away with it. Goodbye. Wait, Mary, please. Believe me. I didn't know that body was in the dining room. Oh, you didn't. Then why were the dining room doors closed? Because I closed them. Then why was the apartment door locked? I don't know. I told you I must have locked it by accident. And I suppose it was just an accident that you didn't want me to look in the dining room. I can explain that, You don't have to explain anything. It's all very clear. I've strung along with you through every jam you've been in, but this is too much. You're hiding a body in your apartment. I saw it. I've never believed you ever did anything wrong, but this time I have to. I saw it with my own eyes. Mary, what's the matter with you? There's nothing the matter with me. It's what's the matter with you. I don't know what you've done or why you had to kill that man, and I don't want to know. I'm through. Mary, please, don't go. Your telephone's ringing. If it's Inspector Faraday, try to talk yourself out of that body in there. Goodbye. Mary, wait, will you? No. Oh, now what? Hello. Uh, hello, Blackie. This is Charlie Kingston. Charlie, I can't talk to you just now. Let me call you back, will you? Look, Blackie, this is urgent. It'll have to wait, Charlie. But it can't. Now what have you done? Gambled a $100,000 diamond again or let one of your employees swindle you out of $3 million? Look, Blackie, this is no time for jokes. I have to see you right away. It may be a long time before anyone can see me, Charlie, even you. I have a dead body up here. Uh, what? A dead body, spelled C-O-R-P-S-E. I'm calling the police right away. I need your help first. Now, don't call the police until I've talked to you about the trouble I'm in. Oh, all right. Where are you now? I'm at my apartment. You've got to be up here right away. Now, uh, let's get this straight, Miss Smith. Your house was robbed by two men at what time tonight? About 8.30, Inspector Faraday. You were in your living room. You heard a noise upstairs, went up to investigate, and saw two men stepping out of your bedroom window onto the porch roof. But you didn't get a look at their faces, huh? No, I'm sorry I didn't, Inspector. So then you got your pistol out of the closet and got to the window in time to fire one shot at them, huh? Yes. By the time I got to the window with my gun, the men were running across the lawn, but I'm sure I hit one of them. Mm. He fell just after I fired, and the other one helped him up. Is uh, this the gun you use, Miss Smith? Yes, it is, Inspector. I have a permit for it. Well, I'll have to keep this a while. Just routine. That's perfectly all right. Now, uh, this paper here contains a list of everything the two men stole. As huh? near as I could make out with a quick inventory. Yes. Uh, really, the only thing of value is a pearl necklace with a ruby clasp. I see. I'd certainly like to have that back. It costs $5,000. You'll get it back, Miss Smith. As soon as we get one or both of the men who robbed your house. And the way I work... Say, how long can that be? I don't know, Inspector. Do you? Yes, sir. Yeah, hello, Jenkins. Oh, good evening, sir. Where's Mr. Kingston, Jenkins? He said he wanted to see me right away. Mr. Kingston isn't here, sir. He hasn't been for three days. Well, of course he's here. He phoned me from here less than half an hour ago. Mr. Kingston's in Chicago. I'm not expecting him until tomorrow, sir. But I talked to him myself. He said he was here and for me to come right over. Someone must be playing a joke on you, sir. Mr. Kingston's phoned me from Chicago only an hour ago, sir. Well... Somebody's crazy. Are you sure it was Mr. Kingston on the phone, sir? Yes, Jenkins, I'm sure of it. I'd know his voice anywhere. Tell me, is Mr. Kingston in some kind of trouble? No more than the usual trouble all important businessmen are bound to have, sir. Well, thanks, Jenkins. You're welcome, sir. Good night, sir. Good night, Jenkins. And what a night.
matter with me? Did I lock my apartment door again? Now the phone. Quiet, will you? I'm going to answer you. Hello? just got in. Blackie, I want to apologize. Forget it, will you? I, I just didn't think. I was so shocked seeing that body on your dining room floor. I understand. But, but will you forgive me? Tell me why I shouldn't. Well, I accused you of killing that man, and I know you didn't. <laughs> now you sound more like the Mary Wesley I know. You mean more like the Mary Wesley who knows you. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Oh, darling. Are the police on their way up? No, not yet. I haven't called them. Oh, I'm going to in just a minute. I had to go out. I had a call from Charlie Kingston to come over to his house right away. Oh, how is Charlie? I don't know. He wasn't there. And he hasn't been there for three days. I thought you said he called you from his house. Well, that's the weird part of it. That's what he told me, exactly. Were you sure it was Charlie? Yes, I'm sure of it. But Jenkins is butler says Charlie's in Chicago. Funny. Yes, but not funny. Ha-ha. Yeah, I know how you feel. That body in your dining room was funny, too, but not funny. Ha-ha. Just think what a big laugh it'll be if Faraday comes in and finds that body here before I get around to telling him. I wish you'd told me about it before I looked in the dining room. Believe me, Mary, I really didn't know it was there. Well, then why did you tell me not to look in the dining room? I had a reason. I'm sure you did, darling, but I'd like to know what it is. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, wait, Mary, there's the doorbell. I'll call you back. All right. Bye. Bye. Come in. Hello, Blackie. Why, hello, Faraday, old pal. <laughs> oh, what do you say we go downstairs and have a nice hot cup of coffee? I just had a nice hot cup of coffee. Well, then join me while I have one. All right, Blanky. What's up here you don't want me to see? Me? Very funny, Blanky. But I'm not in the mood for jokes tonight. There's a guy going around town with a bullet wound in his chest and a $5,000 pearl necklace in his pocket. The pearls have a ruby clasp. You don't say. I do say. But uh, why say it to me? Because it was a two-man job. They got away with the jewelry, but not before one of the men got a bullet through him. Who shot him? The gal they robbed. Jacqueline Smith. I still say, why tell all this to me? Well, maybe you didn't listen to me. I said it was a two-man job. One man was shot. That could have been your pal Shorty. The other one might have been you. Okay. Where do I sign the confession? I said the other one might have been you. You mind if I uh, look around? Yes, I do mind, but I'm sure that won't stop you. That's right. I guess I'll start with the dining room. Oh, Faraday, I have a wonderful kitchen. Yeah, I know. But this dining room, I've never seen those doors closed before. You know? Now, keep away from me. I'm opening this dining room door. Now, uh, now look, Faraday, uh, don't get any ideas. I thought you were the one who said I didn't have brains enough to get one. Well, huh? Hey, what's the idea of the gun in your hand? Uh, Faraday, uh, didn't you... Wait a minute. What's the matter with you? Have you lost your mind? I turn around, you got a gun on me. You didn't see a... I didn't see a anything. Well, there... There isn't anything in the dining room? No, but there's something in your hand. A gun. Oh. Oh, oh. oh I'm sorry, Faraday. I, I, I was just taking it out of my pocket to put it away. Yeah. Well, put it away then, will you? Sure, sure. How's, how's this in the drawer here? Oh, that's better. Now I can look around the rest of this joint without keeping an eye on you. Specifically, Faraday, uh, just what are you looking for besides trouble for me? A wounded man and a pearl necklace. Well, I don't know where I'd keep a wounded man around here, but if I had a pearl necklace, I think I'd keep it in my safe. All right. Let's start with the safe. It's right here on the wall behind this picture. Oh, you've been seeing too many movies. I think you're right, Faraday. As a matter of fact, Mary and I walked out on one about 11 o'clock tonight. What are you trying to do? Establish an alibi? Come on, hurry up. Open that safe. It's never locked, Faraday. Even you could open it. A little practice. All you do is this. Come on, come on. Take the stuff out. Let me have a look at it. All right. Hey, what's this? A string of pearls, Faraday, with a ruby clasp. But so help me, I've never seen them before. Well, look what I have, Blackie. A gun. And you've never seen this before. Faraday, believe me, I don't know how these pearls got here. You don't have anything on me. I don't have anything on you, huh? Only the goods and a gun... And now, back to Boston Blackie. Mary Wesley discovered a man's body in Blackie's dining room, 
after Blackie warned her not to look in that particular room. Mary leaves in a huff, and Blackie gets an urgent call from his friend Charlie Kingston to come to his house at once. Blackie goes to his house, only to learn that Kingston has not been in town for three days. Back in his apartment, Blackie is forced to let Inspector Faraday search the place. Much to Blackie's relief, the dead body is missing, but Blackie's in a jam when Faraday finds stolen pearls in Blackie's safe. As we return to our story, Faraday is getting ready to take Blackie to headquarters. If you take me to headquarters for this, Faraday, you'll only be making a fool of yourself. Look, Blackie, that pearl necklace is hot, and it was in your safe. But I tell you, I don't know how it got there. Well, I do. You put it there. Look, if I'd known it was there, would I have opened the safe as willingly as I did? I don't know. You know I wouldn't. Pete's sake, I'm not that stupid. I know it is. Not even you. Now put that gun away, will you? No. And now that you mention guns, you pulled a gun on me when I went to look in the dining room. Why? You'll never believe it, Faraday. I never do anyhow. Why did you yank out your gun when I looked in the dining room? Because I thought there was a dead body on the floor in there. A dead body? You expect me to believe that? No. I told you you wouldn't. If there was a body in there, why isn't it there now? I don't know. Well, do you know how it got there? No. I suppose it walked in there, laid down and died, then decided it didn't like the place, and so got up and walked away. Faraday, along with all the other things that have happened tonight, that wouldn't surprise me at all. That body in your dining room. Ha! Look, if you have to lie to me, Blackie, why don't you tell me something I can believe? Anyhow, I belong at headquarters, and that's where I'm going. And you're not taking me with you. This is really an unusual night. No, I'm not taking you with me. But I am taking these pearls. What are you going to do with them, Inspector? Give them back to the oysters? No, but if Jacqueline Smith identifies them, I'm going to shut you up like a clam. No, Blackie, don't tell me. Inspector Faraday's chasing you again. I won't tell you, Mary, because he isn't exactly. Do you mean you haven't called the police about that body yet? I didn't have to, Mary. Faraday came up to see me of his own accord. Oh, I can just imagine what happened when he found the body. Then you have a wonderful imagination. He didn't find it. What? It disappeared as mysteriously as it appeared. Oh, Blackie, you're joking. I wish I were. I also wish I knew how a string of stolen pearls got in the safe in my apartment. Stolen pearls? Stolen at about 8.30 tonight from the home of Jacqueline Smith by two men. Smith shot one of the men, but they both got away. Well, Blackie, I have it. That body in your apartment is the man who was shot by the Smith girl. He came to your apartment wounded, put the pearls in your safe, and then died. Hmm. That's what I've been figuring, too, except that it doesn't make sense. I didn't know the dead man. Well, at least that shows I was thinking yeah, I've got to do more than think. I've got to admit... Oh, hold it a minute, darling. Hello? Uh, hello, Mary. Yes? Uh, Mary, this is Charlie Kingston. Oh, oh, Charlie, where are you? If that's Kingston's, I want to talk uh, to you. I'm at home, Mary. Is Blackie there? Yes, yes, just a minute. Blackie wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to me. I want to talk to him. Here. Hello, Charlie. Where are you, in Chicago? No, I'm at home. I've been calling you all over town. Look, what's going on? You called me earlier tonight and told me to meet you at your house. Yes, I know, and Jenkins told you I was in Chicago. Well, what's the idea? I told him to tell everybody that. Now, look, Blackie, I want to see you right away. Well, that's what you said once before. I know, and I want you to meet me here at my house. You said that before, too, and you weren't at home. Look, I, I can't explain over the telephone, but I'll be waiting for you this time. You'd better be. Now, hurry, will you, Blackie? Bring Mary and put plenty of gas in your car. I'm going somewhere, and you've got to drive me. Hmm, that's a switch. All night long, things have been driving me crazy. Where are we going, Charlie? To my country lodge, Mary. Look, Charlie, I'm in no mood to make excursions out into the country in the middle of the night. I have troubles in town. And so do I, Charlie. Well, look... You haven't done anything but tell me where to drive and sit there and watch for police cars. Either tell me what's worrying you or let me worry about my own problems. When I tell you what's been worrying me, your troubles will be over. When we get to my lodge, you'll find the body you saw in your apartment. Oh, what? Charlie, what have you been up to? My neck, trying to help someone. Now listen. Oh. The dead man's name is John Sully. He used to be my chauffeur in Chicago. 
He called me yesterday and said he was in town and was going to see his wife for the first time in ten years. Is that important? I'm just telling you everything from the beginning. Uh, turn at the next crossroad, will you? I know the way to your lunch. Go on with your story, Charlie. Well, uh, the next I heard from Sully was last night. He phoned and said he was in trouble and had a string of pearls he had to get rid of. He begged me not to call the police, and so I told him to come up to my house. This is making a lot of sense. His body ended up in my apartment. He said he was hurt and couldn't make it to my house. He was near your place when he phoned, so I sent him to your apartment. I knew your door was always unlocked, and I knew you were out with Mary. Oh, I see what happened now, Charlie. Sully went to Blackie's apartment, locked the door, and then died. Blackie and I walked out of the movies early and found him before you did. And then you telephoned, got Blackie out of the apartment, went to Blackie's yourself... And took that body out. That's exactly what I did, Mary. In fact, I was in your building, Blackie, when I phoned you. I saw the lights on in your apartment and phoned to see if you'd discovered Sully. Oh, I found him all right. His body. Well, that's why I called you away from your apartment. I, I didn't want you in trouble for something I'd done. So after you left, I went upstairs, took the pearl from Sully and hid them in your safe, and then brought his body out here to my lodge. Speaking of your lodge, Charlie, here it is. Oh, uh, I put his body just inside the door. Come on. Hey, hey, wait for me. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary. Here, give me your hand. Thanks. Here's the key to the door, Blackie. Open it, will you? Thanks. Blackie, what are we going to do with this body? The only thing we can do, Mary, take it to Faraday. Is that smart, Blackie? It's smarter than carting it around the country. Wait, I'll turn on the light. Well, there's the body again. Yep, it's the same one, all right. Hmm. Killed by a bullet wound in the back. Fairly close range, too. Well, uh, shall we take it back to town? Yes, Charlie, then you and Mary take it to Faraday. What are you going to do? I'm going to see this Jacqueline Smith. She can identify Sully as one of the men who robbed her house. I can prove to Faraday how those pearls got into my safe and I'll be in the clear. Clear? I know it's rather late, Miss Smith, but I'm Boston Blackie and I have a I few... I know. Boston Blackie can be excused for anything, or so I've heard. I'm beginning to worry about what you've heard, but that's beside the point. Miss Smith, you fired at one of the men who robbed you, didn't you? Yes. I think I wounded one of them. You did more than wound him, Miss Smith. He's dead. Oh, good. How awful. Well, you really shouldn't feel that way about it, Miss Smith. You want to be blamed for what you did. You know, I, I never thought... Well... I just can't bear the thought that I killed someone. Maybe you'd better sit down. Yes, I think I'd better. The man's body is at the police morgue, or will be very soon. I'm afraid you'll be asked to come and identify it if you can. Do I have to? It's routine in cases like this, Miss Smith. But there'll be pictures in the paper, won't there? And a story? There might be, yes. But there can't be. I'm being married next week to Roger Vincent. His family's so stuffy, they'll never understand if I'm in the paper for... for killing someone. Don't worry about it. Your name is Smith, and there are so many Smiths in this town, the Vincent family will never notice it. Just look at this guy and let me know if he's the man who robbed you, Miss Smith. All right, Inspector Faraday. I'll try. Roll him out, Joe. Yeah. Study yourself, Miss Smith. There's nothing to this. I'm all right, thanks, Blackie. All right, Joe. Pull back the sheet a little. There. Is that the guy, Miss Smith? I don't know. I didn't get a very good look at him. Well, can't you make a, uh, a positive identification? No, I'm sorry, I can't. I just got a glimpse of those men going out through the window. Okay, Joe. Roll them back in. I'm sorry I can't be of any help to you, Inspector. You didn't have to be, Miss Smith. I just wanted you to see the body as a double check. I already knew this was one of the guys who robbed you. You do? How? The gun you gave him. My ballistics report shows it's the gun that shot and killed this guy. I'm awfully sorry. Sorry? Why should you be sorry? You know who this guy was? John Sully, with a police record longer than a roll of ticker tape. Thanks to your marksmanship, I have just one less crook to worry about. Faraday, I'm ashamed of you. I never thought you, an alleged officer of the law, would compliment a murderess. A what? I certainly hope you're trying to be funny. Maybe you think murder is funny, Miss Smith, but I don't. You didn't just kill John Seller. You murdered him. And there's a big difference. Why should I kill him? I'd never seen him before. Yeah, Blackie. 
How do you answer that? Very simply, Faraday. John Sully used to chauffeur for Charlie Kingston. So what? So a few days ago, he told Kingston he was going to see his wife. They'd been separated for ten years, but she'd suddenly written that she wanted to see him. And what kind of a story is this? A lonely heart's melodrama? It's the story of a very clever plan for murder, Faraday. When Sully went to see his wife, she gave him a string of very expensive pearls, saying he could sell them. Then, as soon as his back was turned, she shot him. What is this to do with me? It has a lot to do with you, Miss Smith, because you're John Sully's wife. That's a lie. Then it's a very strange coincidence that court records in this town show that 11 years ago, John Sully married a Jacqueline Smith. I looked at those records myself before I came to see you. Oh, I see. So you'd never seen this man before, huh? Not for 10 years, I hadn't. I knew him when I saw him here, but I didn't want to admit that I was his wife. Not with the police record he has. And I didn't see him when he robbed my house. All I saw were the figures of two men. That's right, Blackie. It could be coincidence that she shot her own husband, thinking he was just a robber. Yes, it could be, Faraday, except for one thing. Just an hour ago, this woman told me she was going to marry Roger Vinson next week. How would she feel free to marry unless she knew her husband was dead? Hey, Miss Smith. How about that? I heard he was dead several years ago. You knew he was dead or dying, Miss Smith, because you shot him. And not while he was running across the lawn, as you said, but while he was standing not two feet away from you. Oh. Powder burns on his coat proof. Oh. Catch up, Lucky. She's fainted. I've got a Faraday. She's passed out. But you've got her for murder. <laughs> Satisfied now, Mary? Of course I am, Blackie. As soon as I got home, I phoned you and apologized, didn't I? So you know I'm not the killer? I'm not sure about that. Hey, what do you mean by that crack? Well, on occasions you kill me. Oh, Mary, that's terrible. Oh, I know it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was so curious about what you were hiding in the dining room, too. <laughs> Let's not go into that again. Now, wait a minute. There's just one little point you haven't explained yet. Uh-oh. I have you, don't I? Just why didn't you want me to look in that dining room? Must I tell you tonight? Tonight. Can't it wait until tomorrow? Why can you tell me tomorrow, not tonight? Because, my curious little friend, tomorrow is your birthday. Oh. And if you hadn't been so shocked by that body on the dining room floor, you'd have seen that my dining room table is covered with birthday presents for you. Oh, black. So, happy birthday, Mary. Oh, and many happy returns of the day. But let's hope we never have another night like this. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X. X.